All right, all right. Well, joy is your compass, and Jesus is your destination. Hey, Amen. That was, that was awesome. Zeke said, <laughs> he grabbed my hand. Get your hand off of my head, man. What are you doing? <laughs> this is strange. That's all right. I get it, Zeke. <laughs> all right. Well, counting our blessings, we always like to count our blessings. And um, last week, I'm blessed that last week I got to go back downstairs to kids' church. And uh, that was just awesome. Me and a couple of the pastors went downstairs, and we, we did kids' church last week, and um, that was fun. That's my roots. That's where I, that's where I started. And um, it, was, it was great. We were talking about the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and uh, asked one of the, asked the, the, the group a question of uh, how do you, you know, when do you need uh, the, the, the help of the Holy Spirit? Like, when, have you ever had a time where you needed the help of the Holy Spirit? And, uh, and LJ said, um, he said, you mean when you're in a pickle? In a pickle? <laughs> I was like, that is an old phrase, like, you, when you are in a pickle? So it was just awesome. These kids are amazing, like, uh, you know, just to, to be down there and be able to, to teach, uh, teach them the word of the Lord. And that's what we do down there. We don't babysit. We don't babysit. We teach them the word of the Lord and, 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 and their identity in Christ. And so uh, it was just awesome to be down there. That's my blessing. Let's read our declaration together. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16. All right. Father, we just thank you for this awesome, awesome day, Father, this opportunity to gather together again and worship your holy name, Father. I pray, Father, that you would open our ears today to hear your word today, open our spirits to receive it and to digest it today. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Jay Tone, thank you, thank you, thank you. You did it again, man. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was running through the door and I... And, 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 I, and this cord just yanked the side of the door and just ripped out. And so there was the cord dangling. And, and that's what Jay Tone just did within this. While you were worshiping, he was back there putting wires back together uh, so I could stand up here and speak to you. All right, go, let's go to Philippians 3, uh, 12 through 14. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking, writing a letter to Philippi from prison. Uh, he says, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have take hold, taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has given me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk to you today about getting a press in your spirit, about moving forward, right, about moving forward, about, about pushing in the spirit, amen? A couple of summers, well, a few summers ago, uh, we got invited over to uh, Pastor Mary's house uh, for a get-together, and uh, Pastor Mary is our um, Avon Lake pastor. And uh, she invited all of us over, the pastors and the families and um, their, uh, some of the staff. And they have a beautiful little house that sits right on the lake, you know. And so she, she told us to bring, you know, bring your swim trunks and, you know, Adrian will be here. Adrian's her husband. 
that he'll be bringing. You know, he'll be taking some people out on the boat, uh, pulling them on the tube. And, and so I was like, oh, that's awesome. I've never done that. In these past couple of years, I've been trying to be adventurous and go do different things. And so uh, I said, awesome. So we, we went over uh, to their house. We got there, and we hung out for a little while. We had something to eat. We sat out on the back lawn and watched him pull some of the teens out on the tube. And, and I was like, oh, that's not that bad. You know, it doesn't look bad at all. And so he, he pulled the boat in the dock and came down the street, and he said, who's next? Who, who wants to come down next? And so I looked at Braxton, my son, and I was like, you ready to go? And he was like, yeah, I guess, you know. And I looked at Pastor Michelle, and she was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and so uh, we went with a group of about, I don't know, eight to ten people, and we got, went down on the boat, and we jumped in, and we went out on the lake, you know, and we cruised around for a little while. And then he threw the tube out, and he said, all right. Who's the first group? And he said, Marlon, you and, you and Braxton, come on, you, Braxton. There was another kid. He said, come on, you guys, you guys head out there. I wish you guys knew Adrian because Adrian is such a man-man. Like, he is an aggressive just man, you know. And he's like, come on, Marlon, come on, come on, you go next. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right, hang on. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm looking out there, and I'm, I'm kind of leaning over the boat, and he's like, the best way to do it is just jump in, you know. Now I can't swim. So... I got my life jacket on, you know, but I can't swim. So me and water don't really do it. We're not like that tight. And so the best way to do it, just jump. So I jumped in and finally got on the tube. And I'm thinking, okay, Adrian knows me. I'm a pastor. You know, I'm a little older than him. Like, he's, you know, just take it easy, man. So we got on the tube and um, he started to cruise around, you know, down the lake. And we were cruising for about 10 seconds. And I was like, this isn't that bad. This is cool. You know, he's like, all right, all right, guys, you guys ready? And I'm like, yeah. So we, we're cruising. And then he goes, here we go. And I was like, what do you mean here we go? We already going. And he just pushed that thing full throttle and we took off. I mean, we took off and we are going about 40 miles an hour across Lake Erie. And here I am on a tube. I can't swim, but I'm holding on for dear life, just hopping up and down on these waves. Every time you hit a wave, you're probably popping up about three to five feet off of the water, you know. And then he does this maneuver where when he turns, it, what is that? Crack the whip. Where were you when I needed to know about crack the whip? Yeah. So I was the recipient of crack the whip. And so he whipped this thing around, and we went from about 40 to about 50, all the way around. And I'm holding on for dear life. I wanted to get off of the tube, but your body will not allow you to let go <laughs> when you're moving that fast. And so he did, he cracked the whip, and I held on. And then he went down again, and he did another one. He swung it around, and... There was no more holding on after that. I mean, it hit a wave. We flew up, and, and me and Braxton flew off of that tube from here. And I'm telling you, my body went here. Oh, 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 oh. And I landed about here in the water. And I went under, and I, I felt something under me, and I grabbed it. And it was Braxton. <laughs> And we finally, we finally submerged. We popped up from out of the water. And I just immediately thought, something is broke. <laughs> and I felt like my left arm, I had like a Nemo fin. You know, I, was, I couldn't really move it. And, and my left leg was bruised. And I went over to the boat and got on. And 
he drove us back to the house, and I got back to the house, man, and I thought, I looked over at Michelle, and I was like, oh, my goodness, and she was like, don't even. <laughs> she gives me one day at most when I do something stupid that she'll, you know, I'll take care of you for like 24 hours, but that you just did was just dumb. And so I went back to the house, and I was laid up, man, and I, was, I thought, that was so stupid. Like, that was so dumb, dude. You have to start playing it safe, right? Like, you got a wife, you got a family, you got kids. You need to start playing it safe. You got responsibilities around here. Like, what is wrong with you? Play it safe. And right then, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me and reminded me of this this week. He said, man, you can play it safe with your body, but you better not play it safe with your faith. You better not play it safe with your faith. And, and I feel like I think there's a lot of Christians that are doing that today. I believe that some of us have, have, have taken a leap of faith before at some point in our lives. And, 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 and in doing it, you know, there's, there's been times where, we, where things didn't really work out the way that we thought they should work out, the way that we wanted them to work out. And so we've allowed playing it safe to creep into our faith. We've allowed that to creep into our faith. Like we've all been through something. We've all been through starts and stops, and, and we've been through making plans just to have plans canceled, right? We've, we've, we've finally getting things started, and then things end up falling apart on us. And after so many starts and stops and, and disappointments in life, you know, you kind of get to a place where you think, why keep trying? Why keep trying? There was a psychologist by the name of Adam Grant that wrote an article in the New York Times, and he said that there's a, a third stepchild of mental health, and it's called languishing. Languishing. To, to, to languish just means to lose vigor or to become dispirited, to languish. And he said that a majority of Americans live there right now. You know, like, like our life isn't thriving, but we're not in depression, right? So we're just kind of, eh. Like your, your, your marriage isn't full of love and joy and happiness, but we're not getting divorced. You know, we're just kind of, eh. Our finances aren't where we want them to be, but we're not filing bankruptcy, you know, so we're just kind of, eh. And listen, church, if we're not careful, our walk with God won't be passionate, our hearts won't be on fire for him, but we're not walking away from him, right? So our faith will just kind of be, eh. And I just want to encourage you today, church, like the Apostle Paul said, it's time to forget what's attempting to hold you back. Forget the things that are behind you, and it's time for you to press on for the greater things in life that God has for you. Amen? See, there, 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 there's, there's times where you may have been going through things and, 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 and you may have made a bad decision and, and, and you're in a place right now where you're a little uncomfortable. But I want to encourage you today not to get stuck in languishing, not to get dispirited, because he knows the plans that he has for you. They're to prosper you. So get determined in your spirit to press on. Get determined to move forward. 
David was sent by his father out to the battlefield to take his brothers some lunch, and, and he noticed this giant taunting the army of Israel. You guys know the story, right? He notices this giant taunting the uh, army of Israel. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? What David was saying was, why, why are we scared of a giant who doesn't have a covenant with God when we, the people of God, are under a covenant in his protection? If David was talking to us today, David, he would say, church, stop languishing. It's time for you to move forward and conquer your fears. It's time for you to move forward and start that business. It's time for you to move forward in your relationship. It's time for you to move forward with your ministry. Amen. Stop being dispirited. Stop languishing. He's saying, because greater is he. Greater is he that is in you than, great, than him, he that is in the world. It's time to press on, church. David said, I'll fight him. Yeah, I'll fight him. And look what, what Saul says to David in 1 Samuel 17, and this is in the NLT. He says, don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight that Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. And I feel like that's how the enemy keeps us so discouraged. I feel like that's how the enemy keeps us stuck today. You think your child is going to come back to God, huh? Don't be ridiculous. Oh, you think that you can get out of debt. Don't be ridiculous. You think you're going to be able to restore your marriage? Don't be ridiculous. You think you're going to be able to break that addiction, huh? Don't be ridiculous. Let me tell you something, church. Our God wants to do something ridiculous in your life today. He wants to do something ridiculous in your life. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, but he is looking for some ridiculous people to just, just take him for his word and believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's looking for ridiculous people. He's looking for people that are just willing to press on. So, so what, what's holding you back? What's holding you back from moving forward? How do we press on in the middle of, of chaos or in the middle of discouragement? The first thing we need to do is we need to make an, a, an honest evaluation. Make an honest evaluation of where you are right now. See, I believe that all of us in here are in search of that one thing. We're in search of the one thing, that obsession of our lives that over, overarching purpose of our lives, because we all know that God has a purpose for us, right? Everybody in here knows that God has a purpose for every single person in this room. But I believe a lot of us might be looking in the wrong place. I believe we're looking for the wrong thing. Some of us are looking for it in relationships and other people. Some of us are looking for it in our jobs some of us are looking for it in the extracurricular activities that we, uh, uh, that we involve ourselves in. Some of us are just looking for a big old red circle with a big old red arrow that says, it's right here. <laughs> you, you have arrived, right? But Paul tells us here in verse 12, he says, I press on. 
I press on toward the mark. He's saying, I haven't touched it yet. I haven't reached it. I haven't obtained it, but I, but I press on. He's saying, I'm not satisfied where I am right now. I'm not where I used to be, and, and I'm not where I'm going, but I'm not, I'm not okay with where I am right now. I'm not satisfied with where I am right now. See, there's got to be a press in your heart. There has to be a press in your spirit to get what God uh, wants for you. We should be, we should, I'm sorry, we should be content with what we have in life. We should definitely be content with what we have in life. But we should never be satisfied with where we are spiritually. Never be satisfied. There's something out there that God has for you. Never get content with the experience that you had. But press your way on until you get God's best. I love reading the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. A man of God, of his stature, yet he has the humility to say, I haven't obtained it. I haven't gotten there yet. There's, there's some Christians today who think they got it, who think they've, they've already arrived, right? Listen, super Christian, you haven't arrived until you heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. When I read this passage from Paul, it was like a breath of fresh air to me, you know, because here's the confession of a man that we could easily say is one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. I mean, he won thousands of souls to Jesus. He planted hundreds of churches. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. And he says, I haven't arrived. Anybody that gets in front of you and tells you that they have arrived, that they're there, you need to move as far away from that person as possible because they are lying. They have deceived themselves. We are all in the press. We are all in the press. All of us at best are just chasing the presence of Jesus. If Paul wasn't there, if he hadn't obtained it, neither have you and neither have have I. But we need to continue to press on. Amen? What is it that Paul has not obtained? Where has he not arrived? What is his goal? I'm glad you asked me, church, because I was wondering myself. And he really tells us in verse 10 of chapter 3, right before this verse, where he says that I may know him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul's goal was simply to know Jesus. He knew him as his Savior, but Paul wanted to know him as as his Lord. He wanted to know him as his Lord. He wanted to know him intimately. He wanted to know him progressively and ultimately perfectly in his presence. Paul knew that when you come to know Jesus as your Lord, when you come to know him intimately, you can experience the power that raised him from the dead. But before we can walk in this newness of life, we, we got to lay everything down. We have to surrender everything. We have to die to ourselves. We got to get out of the way. In other words, we can't know the victory of the resurrection without personally applying the crucifixion to our lives so that we can come to know him. Allow him to work through us so that we can live for him. Amen. And this was a real struggle for Paul. 
That's why I love reading the epistles that he wrote because Paul was just so open. He was so honest. He was so real. It was a real struggle for him. You know, in Romans 7, 15 through 16, he says, For what am I doing? I don't understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Like, can anybody relate to that? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to do the things, some of the things that I do. I don't want to act some of the ways that I act, but, but I do it anyway. I don't want to think some of the things that I think, but man, I think them anyway. Do you know how many people I've annihilated in the grocery store? In my mind? How many folks I've ran off the road on the highway in my mind? This is what Paul is talking about. I don't want to think these things, but I, but I keep thinking them. But see, the good news is, is that we don't have to try to fight in our own strength. Amen? We don't have to fight and do these things in our own strength. My Bible tells me to bring every thought to captivity to the obedience of Jesus. Amen? So we don't have to do these things in our own strength. You know, nor do we have to keep giving our power away to the enemy. Oh, the devil made me do it. Stop giving him so much credit. Stop giving him so much credit. He's a defeated foe. We win. We need to press on to obtain. We need to press on to arrive. You need to press on toward the goal of knowing him who conquered sin in the grave. It's only when we know him, only when we know him that we can take hold to the power of Jesus that's available to us to conquer the sin in our lives. No need to try to do it alone. The one who hung the stars upon nothing is on your side. His spirit lives in you, so stop languishing, church. Move forward toward the goal of knowing the person of Jesus. Amen? So the goal of the Christian should be to know Jesus and and to ultimately be transformed into the image and the likeness of Jesus from glory to glory to glory. Paul gave up everything. Paul gave up his family. He gave up friendships. Paul gave up his freedom. Just in order to know Jesus and his power. So we should understand that the sacrifices will need to be made to enjoy him fully. So what are you willing to give up today to know him? A little bit of sleep? A little bit of your time, a little bit of screen time maybe, just to get to know him. If this is our goal, then, then we have to we have to be honest. We have to have an honest, humble evaluation of where we are right now. Um, back in March. Pastor Michelle and I got, got gym memberships. And uh, when we got the memberships, we, uh, we got a free, um, what do you call them, consultation with a trainer. And we went in and she sat us down and we went in separately, but she asked us the questions of, you know, so what do you want to do? Where do you want to lose weight? And, you know, she asked, me what, you know, where we, what I ate and what I was the, the prescriptions I was taking, but she said, you know, where do you, where do you want to lose weight? And I was like, my body. <laughs> my body. 
Like, if I can lose weight in my earlobes, I'll take that. I just need to lose weight, you know. And so she started to, she's taking all these notes, and she goes, okay, well, where do you want to, where do you want to gain muscle? And I was like, my body. <laughs> my body. I just, I needed to lose all, the, all this fat, and I needed to gain some muscle. But uh, after we got done, we both kind of got the same uh, workouts, uh, depending on what we gave her. So we started to go to the gym together, and we were working out about four days a week, and, and we were going hard, and you know, I told her, I said, this is it, babe. This is the summer that we are rocking our summer bodies. Like, this is the summer that we're doing it, you know. And so we're going four days a week. And as you guys know that it takes about three to four, sometimes six to eight months for working out to be a habit? Yeah. Well, after two months, I found less time to go to the gym. There were so many other things that that became more important than going to the gym. I still love blueberry donuts and pizza. And so those four visits became three, and those three visits became two, and those two visits became one, and now we just give them $33 a month. So, <laughs> so needless to say, after further evaluation, I will be wearing my winter body this summer. <laughs> and we will revisit this in 2024. But really, <laughs> where are you? Where are you? You know, what are you doing to stay on track in your relationship with Jesus? What are you doing to continue to move forward and grow in the Lord? What, what, what one thing are you doing every day? The Apostle Paul said in verse 13, he said, but this one thing I do. One thing I do. And he could have said anything after that. He could have said this one thing I do, I worship. That's admirable, yeah. This one thing I do, I pray. I don't know. He could have said this one thing I do every Thursday, I bake chicken. We would have been like, word. But what he said here spoke to me this week. And, you know, we read the Bible and sometimes we just read it and we skim over things and we don't think, you know, we just, we just read through it. But he said this one thing here that just made so much sense to me. Um, and, I, I, and I pray it blesses you too. But he said this one thing that I do, I forget. I forget, I forget those things that are behind. I forget those things that are behind. Come on, church. Some of us are due to forget some of the things that are behind us right now. There's a couple of things that we need to forget. First, we need to forget our past mistakes. You need to forget your past mistakes. So many of us are stuck in the things that we've done or or the things that have happened to us. Uh, uh, instead of stepping into the purpose and the call that God has in your life. Because the enemy has a lot of Christians living in our past mistakes right now. He's constantly reminding us of, of what you used to do and constantly reminding you of, of how you used to act 
and, and constantly reminding you of what you used to drink and what you used to smoke and all those things that you got yourself involved in. The enemy wants to cripple you. He wants to paralyze you. Oh, you think, you think God can use you, huh? You've been through a divorce, haven't you? You really think God can use you? You used to be an alcoholic, right? Do you really think God can use you? You've been in jail before. Listen, I'm just talking to you all about somebody that I know, okay? The devil wants you to believe that you still are what you used to be. But the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You are a new creation in Jesus. You are more than the worst thing that you've ever done. But the devil wants to keep you there. He wants to keep reminding you of your past. Listen, I'm sure, I'm sure that he reminded Paul that he once held the cloaks of the men who stoned Stephen to death. But, but Paul says, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. I'm sure he reminded Paul uh, that he once drug innocent Christians off to prison. But, but Paul said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. I'm sure he wanted to remind Paul that, he, that he, he, didn't even, he didn't just drag the Christians. He killed Christians. But Paul said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. The one thing that you ought to do, church, is not allow the enemy to remind you of your past, keep you stuck in your present so you can't step into your destiny. Anytime the enemy reminds you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. He's a defeated foe. We win. We need to press on. We need to forget about what's, what lies behind us. The other thing I suggest, I suggest that you forget about your successes. Forget about your successes. When we remember our successes, we can get stuck in nostalgia. Right? Remembering the good old days. You remember the good old days? I just had my 30th anniversary uh, uh, with my fraternity brothers, and we met up, and, and we were talking, and, and I, was, I was so excited to see him. 30 years, you know. I never thought I'd say well, I'd be celebrating 30 years of anything. But we got together, and, and, and they started talking about the good old days, you know. And, and every time they brought something else up, I thought, man, those days wasn't as good as I remembered them. <laughs> the good old days, you know. You ever, you ever talk to somebody and they say, man, back in the day, I used to kill it. I was an athlete in high school, ran track, played football, and um, occasionally, three times a year, I would make my kids sit down and watch my VHS tapes of my football games, <laughs> and I would break out, you know, some newspaper clippings. That whole sentence right there is so old. But I would break out newspaper clippings, I would make them watch my video game, I mean, uh, my VHS tapes. And when I, I married Pastor Michelle one day, we were sitting in the living room, and she came, and she walked through the living room, and she looked, and she said, what, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you watching? And I said, I'm watching my football games. Come on, sit down. And she was just like, oh. And like an honorable wife, like she came, a loving wife, she came and sat down. And I sat there, and I ran the ball, and I said, you see that? And I rewinded it again. I said, that's I'm, I'm number 22 right there, number 22, you know. 
And we sat there and watched, and she, she held on for about 15 minutes. And I, reckon, I noticed that she wasn't, she wasn't impressed. She wasn't impressed. And so I got my, my photo album out, and I got my, you know, my, my newspaper clippings out. And I said, look at that right there. It says, Sattler making his mark. You know, and there was a picture of me crossing the finish line of the 100-meter dash, and my leg was stretched out, and my muscles bulging, and my face was like a lion, you know. And I said, look at that right there. Girl, back in the day, I used to kill it. <laughs> and she looked at the picture, and she looked at me, and she looked at the picture, and she looked at me. She said, then why you stop killing it then? You should, you should just kind of kill it. You see, in life, we, we need to forget about our successes. We'll believe that it's us that got us to where we are right now, and that it's us that's going to get us to where we need to go. If we don't forget about our successes. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be right now? Amen? Where would we be right now? He's the one that pulled us out of the pit. He's, he, was, he was the fourth man in the fire. He's the one that parted the sea so that we could walk across on dry ground. It was him. The Bible never tells us to remember what we did. The Bible tells us over and over and over again in the Old Testament, remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. Because in the Old Testament, it was a cycle. This was a cycle with the Israelites that they would, they would get, they'd get redeemed, they would get delivered, they get blessed, and then they would forget about God. Right? It's no different for us today. All of us have been through something. We were in something that, that, that we got redeemed from. We were in something that he delivered us from. We've been blessed by the Lord our God. The problem is sometimes we, we, when things are going good for us, when everything is running smooth and all cylinders are clicking, we tend to forget who got us to where we are. And so the Bible is telling us, remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God, right? Because we believe we are going to find ourselves again in some dark place, in some valley, in a pit. We're going to find yourself there. In that place, you're going to need to recall. We're going to need to recall something that happened in our past. Bring that thing into our present in such a way that it affects our emotions, it affects our outlook, it affects our thought process so much so that it makes a difference in how we respond in our current reality. So for the believer, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help us just to remember that, that, that God was faithful. He was faithful back then, all right? And that God is going to be faithful right now, and he's going to be faithful into your future. You got to know that he's got a good plan for you. You got to know it's to prosper you and not to harm you. You got to know that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Amen? You're going to have to pull that thing from the past and bring it into your present. The devil wants us to have spiritual amnesia. He wants us to completely forget the past faithfulness of our God when we face difficulties because if he does that, we'll take our eyes off of the goal and place them on our circumstances. 
But when we remember the Lord our God, we'll remember that in the middle of this current drama, in the middle of this current chaos, we have available to us a peace that surpasses understanding that guards our heart and our minds in Christ Jesus. It burns the devil up. The only reason to look back is to look back and express worship to God for for his faithfulness in our lives. That's the only reason to look back. Amen? I'm going to close with this. So finally, there's a goal. There's a prize. You know, whether, whether you know it or not, we're all in a race. Right? We're all in a race. And I believe that I'm sitting in a room full of winners right now. The devil wants to stop you from making heaven your home. And so in order, in order to win this race and prevent distractions and, and stumbles in your life, we got to be determined in our spirits to move forward, to press on. Paul's focus was forward momentum, not prior mistakes and, and prior successes. We can't move ahead with the vision of heaven for our lives looking in the rearview mirror. Our goal needs to be pursuing and getting to know Jesus. Getting to know Jesus as you go through this process of sanctification. As you're on this lifelong path of becoming more and more like him until we're face to face with our king. Amen. Stand with me. Church, we got to get a press in our spirits or else we'll, we'll end up getting stuck in languishing. Our lives won't, won't be thriving, but it won't be falling apart. But it won't be everything that God has for you. I just want, I want you to know that there is something else out there that belongs to you that you haven't possessed yet. And listen, you can, you can, you can settle. You can settle and you, and you can go to heaven and, and everything will be amazing, I'm sure. But my Bible tells me I can have heaven today. I can have it right now. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can have it right now. But in order to do that, you have to keep pressing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, even though we realize right now that we'll never arrive until on this side of heaven, Father, I pray that we wake up every day with a press in our spirits, God, to get closer to you, to come to know you better. Help us, Father, make an honest, humble evaluation in our lives so that we can remove distractions this week that keep us from spending time with you and getting to know you, Jesus. I pray, Father, that there would be a burning desire to continue 
forward momentum with you. Forgetting our past mistakes and our past successes, Lord, and staying focused on your destiny for our lives. To be in your presence, God, is the one thing, Father, that we desire. So I declare that this week, God, we would wake up and we would put you first. We would make you first place in our lives. Before we do anything else, Father, we'll, we'll get in your face. We want to know what you want to do today. We'll be moldable vessels just for you today, Jesus. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We love you. We bless you and we honor you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to have some of our pastors, altar ministers up here to pray for you if you need prayer. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, we're going to be up here to pray with you. I pray that you do that today. I want to thank all of you for being here today. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. I love you.